Good morning. It is a joy to see you. And uh, my heart is overwhelmed. That was, was that a beautiful song? What love is this that I can know God and that God would die for me? What an amazing, what an amazing uh, love that is. We are really super excited to be home and uh, trust that through our time together in the Word, you can be blessed as well. We feel it to be a great honor, to be a great privilege, to uh, be a part of this church, even as you have sent us as your missionaries to Idaho. The fields are white to harvest, and it's a pleasure to be in the Lord's vineyard. And uh, we want to encourage you, because we didn't go overseas. The people we're witnessing to are our neighbors and our kids' friends from school and their parents. And you have those in your neighborhood, too. But uh, we just are so excited about um, being here. The message of our, the title of our message this morning is, Do You Love Me? Uh, subtitled, Jesus Restores a Broken Stone. And uh, trust that through our time together, um, we'll be enriched by uh, the Word of God. And, and there are two very important questions I want us to consider. And we'll ask them again later. Well, those two important questions are, number one, do I love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's question number one. And the second question is, how can I let him restore me as I submit to his plan for my life? Do I love Jesus? Number one. And number two, how can I let him restore me to his plan for my life? Our uh, scripture this morning is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And uh, if you're able, why don't you go ahead and stand as we turn to that scripture and we'll read that together. John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went, and went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and asked, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You may be seated. May God bless his word in our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need and how we need you, Lord. And we just pray that as we've read this scripture that the Holy Spirit would take the truth of the word of God and and that we might know this truth and that as we are your disciples, the truth would set us free. We thank you for this wonderful testimony of how you restore a broken stone, how you take our failures and uh, turn them around for purpose and for strengthening and for helping. And Lord, we pray that all of us would learn a lesson this morning from this broken stone, Peter, and that through the Holy Spirit, we'll take this lesson with us into the week. And we just thank you again for your presence and your power. It's always present when we read the Holy Word in Jesus' name. Amen. The fisher of men uh, goes fishing again. What do you think of that? The fisher of men goes fishing again. And um, this is quite a story. Are you familiar with, um, have, have you ever seen those People Are Amazing videos? I remember my kids a couple years ago, some, one of my boys said, Hey, Dad, you've got to see this video. It's titled, People Are Amazing. And this video is full of people doing some amazing things, okay? So there's this guy going down the road behind a car with a ski rope, and he's on a skateboard. Now, these nests aren't necessarily the kind of videos I like Tim's boys to watch because (laughs) they get ideas. But this guy's going down the road. I don't know how fast he's going on a skateboard. And then there's this ramp. And this guy takes this skateboard and flies over this ramp and and clears a car. And and he lands that thing. And, man, that's Real, my, my boys think that's really neat. Or there's a, there's a, a guy on a motorcycle, and, and he's trying this, 
like triple, no, there's three jumps. So you, if you really give it the gas, you can make it over. And, he, and in the air, he, he does this flip, and he comes down, and he lands it just perfectly. And, and my boys are going, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. But there's also some other videos you can watch, and, and I think they go along with the first ones. Amazing fails. Yeah, where the guy on the skateboard doesn't quite land it, and, you know, the next thing turns into, he's like, road rash. And, or that guy on the motorcycle, he, he doesn't get of it quite enough, or pull out of the flip, and he crashes into the side of that third embankment at 90 miles an hour. And you know what? When I see those kind of things, I hurt. I just, I just oh, my, my body hurts. I, I fell out of a tree in 2003. It was a fail. Okay, all four of my lower leg bones are shattered. What happens now to the guy on that motorcycle? What happens now to the guy who they had this bike and he was going down and he was going really fast and the bike was ramped in such a way that he was supposed to land on top of the building? He doesn't quite. He smashes into the brick wall and then falls. What happens now? They have to call ambulances and there's months of surgeries and rehabilitation and it's not pretty. But in this people are amazing and amazing fails, I would submit to you there needs to be two more lines here. First of all, people do some amazing things. That's because God is amazing, and God gives people the ability to do some of these amazing things. God is amazing. And then after they are stupid and don't make it quite, then God is amazing to provide healing and restoration. And God is about taking broken things and making them whole again. And this passage this morning is about a broken stone. Um, Peter has failed the Lord. He denied that he knew the Lord three times. And, and, and we're going to find out, in spite of what Jesus said, Peter, uh, in spite of what Peter says about his own abilities, he still goes ahead and he denies the Lord. Well, think about Peter. When Peter first met Jesus, what was Peter doing? He was a fisherman, right? He was fishing. He comes and he's fished all night, hasn't caught any fish, and what happens? He's there tending his nest. Jesus does a little sermon, and Jesus borrows his boat, preaches from his sermon, and then he tells Peter, hey, Peter, why don't you go set out your nets? And, and Peter says what? He argues with God. He says, hey, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything, but you know what? Maybe to make you feel better, I'll do it. And he goes out and he fills his nets are so full, the nets are breaking. He calls his partners in the other boat. They're filling both of these boats. The boats are sinking with fish. This is an amazing thing. What is Peter's response? Peter understands something miraculous just happened. I'm in the presence of God and he says this, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a what? A sinful man. Is, is Jesus surprised by that? And does Jesus say, you're right, Peter, you are a pretty sinful guy. I would never want anyone like you on my team. Just the opposite, beloved. He says, don't be afraid, for I will make you a fisher of men. Come and follow me. And then, and then what do we see? Well, we see uh, Peter in all of his, uh, he's just out there. He is so impetuous. He's so, uh, he, he's his whole, I don't know if there's anyone in the Bible who is corrected more publicly than Peter. Nobody blows it more than Peter. I mean, David and Abraham had a few times where they blew it and had to be confronted, but Peter just keeps doing it, you know? And so this uh, uh, morning, when Jesus shows up and he's out there, 
it's interesting how he kind of sets the scene to remind the disciples of that first miracle of fishes. And he, they, there's no fish. They've fished all night. And now in the text here it says they, they'd fished all night. There's nothing. They'd caught nothing. Jesus is about 100 yards off. Hey, children, do you have any fish? And they holler back across the lake, no, we don't. And he says this, try the other side of the boat. Now, are there any fishermen here? I don't even own a fishing pole, but if there are any fishermen here, if you had fished all night and caught nothing and I yelled out to you, I said, hey, try the other side of the boat. You would probably look at me and go, you're daft. You don't know what you're talking about. We've been fishing all night. Why are there going to be... Now, John, who gets it just a little quicker than Peter, he, he sees when all these uh, fish are in this net, 153, but this time the nets aren't breaking. This is pretty amazing. What does John do? He gets it. Just like when they got to the tomb, John got there uh, before Peter, but Peter went in. Peter left what? Marveling. What is going on? And John left what? Believing. He, he believed that Jesus was alive. And now John's sitting there in the boat, and he goes, it's the Lord. It's the Lord over there on the shore. And what's Peter do? Some things, some things, some things never change. Remember when they, Jesus was walking on the water, and uh, that's a pretty neat story, and, and uh, Peter looks out and he goes, hey, Lord, if it's you, come to me. Well, it is the Lord, so the Lord says, come. And Peter walks on the water. That's miraculous. He jumps out of the boat. He's always the first out of the boat. Some things never change. He's always the first one to do something. The disciples are kind of wondering, what do we do next? Peter, he's going to do something. Let's go fishing. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? He didn't know what to say, so he said something. Hey, Lord, I got a brilliant idea. Let's make three tabernacles. And who corrects him in that passage? God speaks from heaven. A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And so we see all throughout Peter's ministry, there's always these failures. And hey, if Jesus is on the shore, I love Jesus. I'm going to prove how much I love Jesus. I'm going to throw my coat on and jump in the water. Start swimming 100 yards with a big old coat on. And then what? I get to the shore and hey, Jesus, hey, um, um, bring some of the fish. So uh, Peter single-handedly goes over, you want fish? I'll bring you fish. You know, and, and Jesus is probably just smiling at this dear disciple like, I love you, <laughs> you know, but you don't have to work so hard. Nevertheless, here's Jesus taking care of Peter. Now, this is a very important, very important time because it says in the text here that they all know it's Jesus. Okay, nobody says it. It's kind of an awkward silence. They're all like, we all know this is Jesus. And they get to the shore, and what do they find? They find a little charcoal fire and some fish and some bread already on it. Now, again, is that a miracle? It doesn't say Jesus lit the fire. They're just a fire, fish, and bread. But he says, bring some of your fish. They come and they sit down. And now what does Jesus do? He's made them breakfast. I remember reading a story about um, Tim Hansel. He wrote a book called You Gotta Keep Dancing. And in the book, he talks about how when he was a senior, his football team won the state championship. Okay? And that night, all the football players decided to go out and celebrate, right? Well, unfortunately, it got a little carried away. And the next morning, all the parents had to be called to the county jail, come pick up your boys, because they'd all been arrested at this party. And now he's waiting for his dad to come pick him up. And, the, and it's just feeling heavy. And he gets in the car with his dad, and his dad hasn't said anything. Checked him out, got in the car, on the way, and his dad hasn't said anything. And finally, Tim says to his dad, he says, aren't you going to say something? And his dad says, how about some breakfast? How about some breakfast? When we know we have failed 
and someone takes our failure and says, how about some breakfast? And Jesus has made breakfast for this whole group, all these disciples. They're all sitting around eating grilled fish and toast for breakfast. Now what? Who breaks the silence? Jesus. Jesus speaks, and the first thing he says is, Simon, son of John, um, Simon, son of John. This wasn't the first time he had said Simon, son of John. When Jesus first met uh, Simon, he says, Simon, son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which by interpretation means a stone, okay? Cephas, Petros, is the Greek word for stone, a, a little rock, a movable rock, something you could pick up and throw, as opposed to Petra. Petra is the Greek word for what we have in Idaho, okay? Idaho has these huge slabs of granite that just come out of the ground, and they're huge. It's like bedrock. This, this granite goes all the way down. That's Petra. But Jesus doesn't call Peter Petra. He calls him Petros, the movable stone, the portable stone, all right? And so he says to Peter, he doesn't say Peter, he says, he goes back to his, his original name, Simon, son of John, you shall be called Cephas. Simon is, is from the Hebrew word shimon, which means you have heard. You have heard. You have heard, son of John. And, what is, and what's the question? Do you love me? That's the first thing he says. You have heard, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than all of these other disciples. And this, this has a, 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 a resonation of, of truth, because if you remember, when, when Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him, Peter denies it so vehemently, he says, I don't care if all these guys do it, I will never deny you. And now he's sitting in the presence of all these other guys that he thought himself above, and he says, do you love me? You think you love me? You're more committed in your Christian life to me than the rest of these guys? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He doesn't say, yes, I do love you more than these. He leaves that out of this equation. And so that's, that's, a, that's good news. That's good news because um, when we get down to the next question he asks him, Jesus repeats himself. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I'm going to have to back up just a slide. I'm sorry. I forgot this part. This is very important. After he said that he loved him the first time, Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Now that's important because Jesus knows Peter has denied him. Jesus knows a lot about Peter, but still, as Jesus begins to restore this broken stone, he says to him, I have a job for you, Peter. There is purpose beyond your failure. Feed my lambs. Okay? Feed my lambs. Now the second time, he asks him, and the only thing basically that changes, he, uh, in dialogue two, Jesus leaves off the part about more than these, and he says to him, tend my sheep. So twice he's asked Peter, do you love me? And then he he gets this affirmative response from Peter. There's purpose in your life, Peter. There's purpose beyond your failure. Jesus is restoring a broken stone. Now, this third time, um, something changes. Do you love me, Simon, son of John? Do you love me? Peter says this. Look at this, beloved. He says, Lord, you 
know everything. You know that I love you. Okay? You know that I love you. This is, this is an a, a important question. What did Jesus know about Peter's failures? Let's go back to the verse. Do you see it there? Lord, you know everything. What happens when a sinful man meets an omniscient God? What happens when you meet someone who knows everything? Do you remember the woman at the well? She went back to town, and that woman had had quite a past. Five husbands and a boyfriend she was a live-in that wasn't her husband. And Jesus said that much to her, right? You've had five husbands. The man you're living with isn't your husband. And she says, I perceive you are a prophet. More than a prophet, this was God who knew everything. Does the thought of God knowing everything about you make you a little embarrassed? Remember the story about the, little, the mother who was praying with her little boy one night and the little boy had lied to his mom during the course of the day. And, and so when they went to pray that night, the mom says, and dear Jesus, help little Johnny so he doesn't lie to me again. And Johnny bumps mom and he says, mom, you didn't have to tell him that. And uh, she goes on to explain, God knows everything. He knows all about you. And the little boy puts his head down and he said, that is so embarrassing. And you know what? I think that's how Peter felt, Right? When he said, Lord, depart from me, what's making you so uncomfortable here, Peter? Why were you feeling undone? It's because Jesus knows you are a sinful man. Jesus is not surprised by Peter's sin. And so, if we think about Jesus knowing everything, let's go back to that night when when Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three, deny that you know me three times. Three times today. What are you going to do? You're going to deny me. When? You're going to do it this morning before the rooster crows. Jesus knows the details about Peter's failure before Peter fails. Is that troubling? It was troubling to Peter. He goes on to just vehemently deny the fact that he would ever deny his Lord. However, um, when Jesus uh, predicts your denial, denial isn't optional, right? If Jesus says, you're going to fail me, who do you think's right when you start arguing with Jesus? I mean, we would like to think that there was some choice. Peter had some choice there that he could have said, no, I, I'm not going to deny. But you know what? If Jesus says, you are going to do this, you will fail. And denial isn't optional. And I was reading, um, John Bishop wrote a book t- titled God Distorted. And in there he had a chapter on Peter. And I really appreciated what he said. He said this. He said, denial isn't optional. Remember when Jesus calls us to follow him, the first thing he said was, if anyone would come after me, let him, number one, deny himself. Okay? And, and Bishop points out, he says, denial isn't optional. You're either going to deny yourself or you're going to deny Jesus. That's the deal. And every time I choose to sin in my flesh by wanting something so much that I'm willing to sin to get it. Hey, I'm driving for 20 hours from Idaho, right? And I'd like a little peace and quiet in the van. And I want it so much, I'm willing to act like a grizzly bear in front of my children to get a little peace and quiet. I'm sure God's pleased with that. No, I'm not. That's, I'm saying that facetiously, you understand. Denial is not optional. I'm either going to deny myself or I'm going to deny Jesus. 
And this is what happens to Peter. You either deny yourself or you deny Jesus. But don't lose heart. After Peter had vehemently confessed his, his faithfulness above the rest of the other disciples, Jesus tells Peter something very important. And this is what we want to focus on for a moment here. He says to Simon, he says, Simon, not Peter, not the rock. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Does Jesus pray that Peter will not fail? No. He just got done telling Peter he would fail. But what does Jesus pray? I have prayed that your faith in me, the great Redeemer, your faith in me, your God and Savior, your faith in me to restore and renew and to bless and to keep you won't fail, but you will fail. And when you have failed, after that has happened, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Do you see this? It's like the coach already knows the player isn't going to make that winning field goal. Okay? He knows it. But he tells that player, you're still a, a player that I want on my team. I have a purpose for your life. Keep playing. When you've turned again, use your failures to strengthen your brothers. Okay. So, this is what Jesus has prayed. Jesus prayed for Peter. This is good to know. Now, let's ask this question. We turn the corner here a little bit. Jesus has been confronting Peter about his sin. Ask yourself this question. How much does Jesus know about your failures? Are you okay with that? Someone told me after first service, they said, I enjoyed your sermon. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, in all seriousness, beloved, Thinking about my failures shouldn't be an enjoyable thing. I knew what the brother meant. But ask yourself this question. How much does Jesus know about your failures? How about all the failures in your past? When Peter came to Christ the first time, he had a past and a lot of sin in his past. How about sin in the present? You say sin in the present? Yeah, look at the text. Here's Jesus telling Peter, you need to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And what does Peter do? Very natural human reaction. If you've ever had a child and you're telling this child, Jesse, I want you to empty the dishwasher and when you get done with that, go ahead and sweep the floor. I mean, that, there's a little laundry to fold. What's a very natural human reaction? What about Zach? Right? Does that happen at your house? Jesus is in the middle of rebuking his beloved disciples, setting him straight, restoring him. And Peter's like, well, what about John? And what about future sins? We're talking about our own here, but look at Peter. Were there future sins in Peter's life? Yeah, there were. And, and God is giving Peter the job of tending or feeding lambs, tending sheep, feeding sheep, in the middle of knowing his future failures. Remember when Peter would go down to... Um, the church there in Galatia, and uh, he would be eating with the Gentiles, but then the, the hot shots were coming from Jerusalem, and what's he do? He withdraws from fellowship, and Barnabas gets drawn away, and what does the Apostle Paul, this upstart young guy in the church, have to do? He rebukes him to his face. He said, Peter, you're out of line in front of other people, right? 
Jesus knew Peter was going to do that. When, when, when the Holy Spirit came and said, I want you to go and preach to the Gentiles, and here's a vision, a holy sheet full of unholy animals coming out of heaven, rise and eat. And what's Peter doing? He's arguing with God. Not so, God. Hey. God says, look, if I cleansed it, you eat it. Quit fussing with me. Right? Jesus is looking at his future failures, and he's giving him a job. Think about your past failures. Is any of that a surprise to God? Is God up in heaven going, oh no, Jeff just got mad at his wife, threw a fit. Is God God up in heaven looking at your past failures going, that's really surprising? Is God looking at the present failures? You might be in the middle of a discussion with God and arguing like Peter was. What about John? Maybe you're looking around and going, what about this? Why not him? Why not her? What about your future failures? How does God look on your future failures? Is he surprised by any of that? Because there's this wonderful freedom once once you're naked. Do you know what I'm saying? Once you understand there is nothing to hide before a holy God, there's a wonderful freedom in being able to accept, first of all, thank you, Jesus, you love me this way? With all of that in view, you still love me? With all that in view, you have a plan for my life. I can still be of service to you. Absolutely, praise God. He doesn't wait till we're all cleaned up to help us. No, the Bible tells us that Christ loved us when we were in our sins. He saved us. And, and we sang in that hymn, Who the Son sets free, right, shall be free indeed. Well, now I'm free, to be honest. I'm free to be honest. When Jesus... When, when Jesus knows all that about my failures, think about this. How does his prayer for Peter give me hope? How does his prayer for Peter give me hope? Does it give you hope? Well, let's, let's look at it here. Now, what I did on this slide is I, I took the names out. Instead of saying Simon, Simon, we're going to read this prayer together. But I want you, for those first two words, to put your name in there, okay? All right? We're going to read this together, but you're going to say your name. You're going to say your name again. Then we're going to read this prayer, okay? Let's do that. You ready? Jeff, Jeff, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, is there hope in there for you? Jesus is already aware of your future failures. And Jesus looks at you and says, I have prayed for you. So that when you fail and you turn again to me, that your faith doesn't fail. He doesn't pray that we won't fail. He prays that our faith won't fail. Is that encouraging to you? And we can take the verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there shall no temptation take you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but he'll provide a way that you may be able to bear it. A way of escape. Jesus loves us. That should encourage you, should give you hope. We get to the end of our service and we ask this question, do you love me? And, and you think back in Peter's life, and there's so many good examples. I think back to when Peter... Um, uh, walked on the water, and then what happened? He failed. He fell in the water. When, 
when he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he's supposed to be praying and he what? He fell asleep. And then he suggests, like I said earlier, we make these three tabernacles and God has to correct him. Or when uh, Jesus gets to that point, in his, that very critical point in his ministry, when he looks at his disciples and he says, and who do you say that I am? And, and Peter makes that wonderful proclamation of faith. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And he says, and upon this faith, he says, you are Peter, the little rock, Petros, and upon this faith I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what? Peter goes through all these things. The Last Supper, Jesus wants to wash his feet. What's he do? No, Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. Oh, well, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Well, then here, here's my head, my hands. Pete, just your feet. <laughs> Let's make it simple here. Go with the flow. And, and, and Jesus sees all that. And he, he loves Peter. Now, when you think about God seeing all of your failure, past, present, future, and Jesus asking you the question, do you, do you love me? That's really the question, isn't it? Do you love me? And we can tell the Lord, yes, I love you. Well, you know what, beloved? That's the right answer. Do I love Jesus? But the next question I think it's important for us to ask is, I know I'm a broken stone. Failures past, present, and future. And yet Jesus loves me and is willing to restore me to a position of usefulness for his church, for his kingdom. Am I willing just to come along and follow him? Allow his Holy Spirit to be my guide I'm, my personality is very much like Peter's. I can relate to him in a lot of ways. I open my mouth, stick in my feet, you know, a lot of times. But I find great hope and I find great comfort that Jesus would restore a broken stone, that Jesus would take someone broken and use them in the future. And even the fact that Peter could get that job assignment while Jesus knew he would fail, you know, as a church leader, as an elder, he would still have failures. God is planning to use your failures. He's planning to use my failures for his glory. Did you grow up with the privilege of having a father who told you he was sorry when he was wrong? I'm finding out it's a rare thing. But my dad, he said, a good example for me. Often were the times my dad would tell me, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That meant a great deal to me. And you know what? My dad never went down in my mind because he confessed the failure that was obvious to me. He went up in my mind. And I submit to you, beloved, as we are honest with who we are before the God who knows it all anyway, he still has a plan for you and he still has a plan for me. And I pray that um, as you think about this question and the answer to it and God's desire to restore you, even though it's painful, Peter was grieved after that third question. Lord, it's really killing me. Do you love me? I denied you three times. We're here by a little charcoal fire. There's only one other charcoal fire in the New Testament. You know where that was? In a courtyard where Peter denied his Lord. I mean, Jesus has set the whole thing up to remind Peter of his sin, but we don't see Jesus focusing on his sin, but Jesus' sufficiency. Jill sang in that song, I confess, Lord, you are enough. Is Jesus enough to restore you? And are you willing to submit to his plan for your life and let him, let him do that?
you know, as we are, then we can go back to the, the big title of our message, Do You Love Me? And we can say to Jesus, yes. He is a great Redeemer. Um, what I'd like to do, in, as I close, Pastor Mike's going to come, we're going to do communion service, is if uh, you want to just bow your heads, I would like to pray a prayer that this dear old brother, apostle, restored stone wrote in his first epistle. Remember, he, he must have accepted the chastisement from Paul well because he talks about the beloved brother Paul in his letter, in his second letter. But um, here in 1 Peter chapter 5, let me just read this prayer if you would. Clothe yourselves, Lord Jesus, dear God, help us clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Lord, we know you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, we are sinners and sinful. Help us to humble ourselves before you, before your mighty hand, so that at the proper time you can exalt us. You'll lift us back up. Help us, Lord, to cast all of our anxieties on you. You care for us and help us to be sober mindful, Lord. Help us to be watchful because our adversary, the devil, would prowl around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us, even sometimes as we reflect on our own sinful past. Lord, may we resist him. Help us to stand firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are common and they're experienced by our brotherhood all around the world. Lord, and after we've suffered through our trials or even through our failures, Lord, we pray that you, the God of all grace, who has called us to your eternal glory, we pray that you yourself would restore us, confirm us, strengthen us, and establish us, and we'll give you the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. May God bless his word in your hearts, and may you realize that uh, your failure isn't a surprise to Jesus, and he would love to restore you to his usefulness.